end of the road. By the time you get about halfway through 2 Kings, you are probably tired of the books of Kings in some way, though I really like them. And that's why in the longer series of this, I spend a lot of time in the Kings because I think a lot of times we don't know that much about these books and they're actually really interesting if you read them. And so I try to help us in the longer series. But in this one, by the time you get halfway through 2 Kings, it's been horrible. I mean, it's been sadness. The north has been absolutely terrible. And you get into the middle of 2 Kings and the northern kingdom, Israel, is exiled. A kingdom from Assyria comes in, wipes them out, takes them out of the land, causes them to intermarry with all kinds of other people. And that's basically it for the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom, remember that's Judah, that's where Jerusalem is, and that's where the son of David sits on the throne, lasts uh, quite a lot longer, another hundred plus years. And the southern kingdom, again, a mix of good and bad kings. And sometimes towards the end, they have some of the best kings they ever have. Like a king named uh, Josiah. He, he, in a lot of ways, Josiah is better than David. He's the only one who followed the Lord with all of his heart. He... And, and, but it shows you in his life how bad things had gotten. Because in Josiah's life, this is in 2 Kings, <clears throat> he's on the throne as a young man. And during his reign, somebody's like looking around through the temple and they stumble across a copy of the law of Moses. Like it's literally been lost. No one has been reading it for who knows how long. And, and Josiah reads the law. He reads the prophecies of Moses and it's like everything makes sense. All the suffering, all, all the idolatry, the consequences that they've suffered for it, it all makes sense. And he spends the rest of his life tenaciously trying to please God and follow God's laws and lead the people to turn their hearts back to, to God. And it's like a revival that, that there has never been in Judah. And God blesses. But as soon as Josiah dies and his son does not follow in his steps, and the kingdom goes right back into its evil ways. And eventually, just like the north, God decrees that the south is going to go into exile as well. And so by the time you get to the end of 2 Kings, the southern kingdom, even the line of David, has been laid low. The people are, are taken out by, by Babylon. Only a few are left in Judah. Most of the people are exiled, all of the important people, the more intelligent people, they, they're exiled by Babylon. The people continue to rebel anyway. And so Babylon comes in and destroys the city, destroys the temple. There is no more Davidic throne. There is no Davidic king on a throne. There is no kingdom. There, are no, there is no land. And the people are now taken back into Babylon. And, it, and if you think about it, God called Abram out of Babylon and, had, and set out this huge plan of what he would do. And by the end of 2 Kings, the people are back in Babylon. And it is like everything that God has been doing has been undone. It's incredibly sad. But 2 Kings ends by telling us that it's the 37th year of this exile. And the author draws your attention to the son of David, who's still alive, even though he's not on any kind of throne. He's a, he's a captive. 
And in the 37th year of that exile, for whatever reason, the leader of Babylon takes him out of prison, gives him some new robes, and lets him eat at the king's table. And maybe it's just a sign that even though everything looks horrible, looks like there's no hope for the line of David, no hope for Israel, no hope for the world, maybe God has not forgotten his promises.